Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Man, we are excited to go to the beach today, and uh, we have over 20 people that have been confirmed and are registered to be baptized at the, at the beach. And we're excited to have this opportunity to celebrate their next steps. Come on, somebody. And so, hey, we want to invite you to join us today. Uh, even if you are not planning to be baptized, just to go. It's a great time of fellowship to hang out, put faces and names together, meet some new friends, and enjoy the beautiful scenery of the beach, one of my favorite places in all the world. So we hope that you'll be a part of that. And uh, we're excited. We're going to be having an orientation just learned uh, immediately after our service today. I'll be uh, available for a few minutes down here in the front. If that's something that you would like to do as far as taking your next step and getting baptized at the beach today, then join me right down here at the front. And we'll walk through the details and logistics. And uh, we'll be on our way. It's going to be a great, great day. Well, we are in a series that we've been calling Four Choices. And by the way, for those of you that are watching us live right now online, we just want to say a special welcome to you as well. Come on, church family. Let's give those that are watching online an amazing round of applause. But we're in this series called Four Choices. We've been learning really what it means to kind of turn, if you will, our good intentions into wise decisions. And during week one, we talked about... Uh, the importance of taking our next step, which literally is why we're doing what we're doing today, taking our next step in terms of our, our faith journey as far as being baptized, water baptized. And it was a, a great opportunity where we just kind of broke down some of the specific things that uh, we can do to, to grow in our faith and to, um, to really take our faith public which the Bible commands and teaches us to do. Last week, we talked about the importance of connecting into community, the choice to get connected. And we had an amazing welcome party, and uh, it was a great opportunity to welcome people that are new to our church, new to the community, looking for a place to connect. And so that was amazing. We also had an amazing life group launch that officially kicked off last week. Sunday as well. It's a short season in the summer where people gather and a lot of those groups are doing social gatherings and meeting up at different places at different times. And so if you want more information about that as far as how you can connect with some of those groups, you can go online or go to the, uh, go out to the uh, Connect tent on your way out today. And uh, I promise you, this summer is going to be amazing. You just learned we're getting ready to do something huge here in a couple of weeks uh, called At the Movies, our biggest series of the entire year. It's always one of our favorite highlights of the year. And uh, next week, we're talking about making the decision. You ready for this? Come on, guys, to be a top dad. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And so we're looking forward to having Tom Cruise with us next Sunday. Uh, Just kidding. But anyway, we are talking about top dads, and uh, it's going to be an amazing time as we honor and celebrate the men in our lives as far as our dads, our fathers, and those father figures who have influenced us in so many amazing ways. And so today, we're talking about something that I'm really excited about, and it's the choice to live a blessed life. How many of you want to live a blessed life? Come on, somebody. We all want to live a blessed life, right? 
My wife, Michelle, and I uh, had the opportunity to uh, spend some time over dinner with a young couple uh, earlier in the week and uh, just had a fantastic time just hanging out. And it's one of our joys is just uh, getting to connect with young adults and young couples and especially those who are just starting out uh, in their marriage relationship. This particular couple uh, just recently got married. They're brand new, just coming off their honeymoon. And so we were just talking and we were just uh, talking about, you know, even some of the challenges that young couples often encounter, uh, especially during that first year of marriage. Come on, somebody. We all know there's a few bumps, little twists and turns and unexpected curveballs we, we, we didn't see coming before the marriage, right? And so what happens a lot of times is that those can throw some challenges uh, in the relationship. So we were talking through some of those things. And then the subject of money and giving came into the conversation. And one of the things that Michelle and I wanted to share with this young couple, we said, you know, looking back, you know, we've been married, Michelle and I have been married now for 31 years. And we said one of the most important, without question, the greatest decision we've ever made in our marriage was choosing to put God first in our, not just in our marriage, but in every area of our lives when it came to our marriage, but specifically also putting God first in our finances. And we just made a commitment to honor the Lord in this area of giving and tithing and giving back into the Lord. And so we were sharing just how important that was. And I said, we can testify firsthand. We know because we've seen it not just in our lives, but in so many other people's lives who will give testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness, of God's provision, of God's protection, of just how God's peace just really helped protect their hearts and their minds. We've seen just demonstrations of God's power in so many incredible ways. And really just experiencing the presence of the Lord in a more powerful and a more intimate way. And you know, one of the things we were sharing with them is just that when you put that as a priority in your life and you put that in place, and especially as a couple, when you come together and you solidify that and together you make that commitment, it's amazing what God will do. And I believe with all of my heart, that's God's desire. God's desire is that we live a blessed life. Now I want to prove that to you today because I really do believe that all of us in this room desire, I think it's in our heart, we have a longing to live a blessed life. And a blessed life could mean different things to different people, right? You know, I mean, what may be considered a blessed life for one person might look a little different than living a blessed life for another person. But at the end of the day, God wants us to be blessed. And what I mean by that is Jesus said, I have not come into the world uh, as, as the enemy has, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and experience it to the full. God wants us to live in his fullness. God wants us to live the blessed life. And one of the keys to doing that is to understand the power and, I believe with all of my heart, the potential of living that blessed life through this area called giving. Now, I want to share something with you because what's interesting is that in the book of Malachi, which happens to be the last book in the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi was uh, really in a season of his ministry, the last, next to the last prophet, I should say. You say, who's the last Old Testament prophet? Well, John the Baptist was actually technically the last Old Testament prophet. 
But we see Malachi, who's this amazing man of God, this great prophet, and he happened to be you know, sharing and once again revealing God's message, that timely message to the people of, of the Jewish nation. And one of the things that we learned is that during this time frame, it happened to take place about approximately 400 years before the birth of Christ. And the prophet Malachi also happened to be leading during this time when Israel was kind of in a state of rebuilding. It was in a restoration period. But what's interesting, just like so often the people of Israel had been guilty of, is that one day they were living obedience, and then it seemed like the next day they were living in disobedience. And so even though they were in a season and a period, if you will, of restoring their nation once again and restoring what God's original plan and purpose was, there was still a drift taking place in their hearts. And in Malachi chapter 1, we learned that they doubted God's love and they despised his name. In Malachi chapter 2, they defiled his covenant. In other words, the priests were actually leading people astray, causing them to drift further away from God. And in Malachi 3, they outright disobeyed God by robbing him from the tithes and the offerings that were actually do him. And so you would think that after Malachi chapter 3, and after all of the times of disobedience and setbacks and times of drifting and rebelling, you would think that God would have said, you know what, enough is enough. And God just would have kind of like wiped them off the face of the earth. But aren't you thankful that God is a God of love? God is a God of mercy. He's a God of patience and long-suffering, aren't you thankful that even when we fall, we mess up, and even when we at times rebel against what God's plans and purposes are, aren't you thankful that God loves us? Aren't you thankful that God's mercy endures forever and forever? That's the kind of God that we serve, and He wants nothing more than for us to be in a right relationship with Him. Why? Because He wants us to live a blessed life. He wants what's best for us. And the only way we can experience that, achieve that, is by living lives of obedience. To live our lives and according to his goodwill, his plan, and his purpose. So Malachi chapter 3, we're going to pick it up in verse 6 and following. Malachi chapter 3, some people call it Malachi. <laughs> it's like Malachi ball. No, Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 looking at verse 6 through 12. And this is God speaking through the prophet Malachi. God says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. Once again, God says, my, my love for you doesn't change. Listen, my principles, my laws, they do not change. Listen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I am the Lord, and I do not change. He is consistent. He's steady. And that is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and have failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, well, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? 
Well, you've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Notice, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out a blessing so great you won't even have enough room to take it in. And he said, try it. Put me to the test. Which, by the way, is the only place, the only verse that you will see in the entire Bible where God actually says, put me to the test. Let me show you. Let me demonstrate to you. Let me prove to you that I am who I say I am. And I will do what I say I will do. He says, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall far from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now I want you to hear something today. That's my prayer for each and every one of you. My prayer is the same prayer and desire that God has for each of us. And that is that we live a blessed life. And one of the ways that we do that is by simply obeying, right? It's like a parent. A parent doesn't bless, doesn't reward, doesn't give nice good things to a child that is living with a spirit of rebellion and disobedience. Well, there might be a few parents out there to do that. <laughs> but you get the point. God does not bless disobedient behavior. But God says when you live in obedience, when you live according to my plan and my purpose, when you honor what my plan and my purpose is for your life, when you're living in this place of obedience, guess what? God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. And that goes back to the five Ps I just mentioned a few moments ago. And that is God wants you to experience his presence in a close, real, intimate way. And that's what God was trying to help the people understand is that, hey, you've drifted away from me. And they're like, what do you mean? How could we drift away when we've never left? He said, oh, yeah, you've drifted. And he says, I want you to come back to me. I want you to experience my fullness, my presence. God just wants the intimacy between you and between you and him. That's what God wants. And he wants us to experience his protection. That's the covering. That's when we're under God's authority and we're under God's will. Guess what? We get to experience his protection over our lives. But it's also God's provision. In other words, God provides. He takes care of us. He meets our daily needs. He gives us May not give us what we want, but he certainly promises to give us what we need. And so when you think about that, in times of stress, in times of turmoil, in times of unpredictability and chaos, guess what? God replaces the fear with a sense of peace. Because he's a God of peace. He's Jehovah Shalom. But he's also a God of power. And God's power will manifest itself in ways that sometimes are beyond 
explanation. We sometimes will have those but God moments. We'll have those moments that we get to see and experience in our own personal lives where we simply testify to the fact that only God could have done that. So when you think about it, that is what I mean by living a blessed life. Man, we all want God's presence and to experience that fully and more intimately. We all want God's peace and we all want God's provision and protection and to experience God's power, right? Right? That's what we want. Well, let me share something with you. Because today I want to share with you how you can do that. And what I want to do for just a moment is I want to share with you three things, specifically very simple. I want to share with you what I would refer to as the principle of giving or tithing. The practice, that's just the daily practical or weekly routine of that. And also, ultimately, the payoff, the reward. Now, before some of you check out on me and say, man, I knew it. We should have went to the beach early. Man, we, I didn't know he was going to be preaching on this today. I wouldn't have invited my friend. Because they're in their mind thinking, oh, see, I told you. If I will go to that church, all the preacher talks about is money. Well, it's probably been a long time since you've heard me or heard us talk about it. And I apologize for that. Because I was sharing with a friend last night, you know, I said I wrestle with even sharing this because it's that dilemma. It's not like I'm living with my head in the sand and the fact that we now have a national average of $5.01 per gallon of gasoline, which basically now we're encountering the highest rate of inflation our nation has encountered in the last four decades which is manifesting on average, the average American household is now having to spend $400 more per month just because of the high cost, the inflation of the ripple effect of so many different things. So it's not like I'm living over here, you know, ignorant of the reality and the fact that, man, people are suffering and they're hurting more than ever. And every single penny matters, right? We all are feeling that. We all are experiencing that. But the truth of the matter is, you're not in control of that, are you? I'm not in control of that. And listen, nobody is in control of it. Only God is in control. And that's the reason why we got to do things God's way. That's the reason why we got to follow his plans and his principle and his practices. Because when we do, he says, there's a payoff. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. Your presence, listen, he said, my presence is going to be felt by you in ways that you've never experienced before. My power is going to be manifested. My peace is going to rule in your, in your heart. Regardless of what's going on around you, circumstantially, you will be at peace knowing that I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to provide you, provide for you, and I'm going to protect you. So that's God's plan in a nutshell. And so once again, I think that's what we all want. So how do we get there? Well, let's look at it quickly. Number one is the principle. Deuteronomy 14, verse 23 says it this way. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. Pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward. The purpose of tithing, which by the way is 10%, one-tenth is the actual 
definition of the word tithe. But God says the purpose for that is to teach us to always put him first in our lives. God doesn't want to take the back seat. God doesn't want to be the leftover of the afterthought. Or he doesn't want to be, you know, the charity aspect of our life. It's like, well, after I do everything else, if there's something left over, I'll give it to God. No, 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 no. God wants first place in our hearts. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So God just wants our heart. He's not interested in your money. What he's interested in is you. He wants your heart. And he says one of the ways to show that and to prove that and to demonstrate that is by honoring me by putting me first through something called the tithe. Now, if I were to ask you today, how many of you, you know, say God is first place in your life? I'd say most of you probably would raise your hand. But the truth of the matter is, the reality is, is that can you show that? Can you prove that God is truly first in your life, in your time, in your talent, and in your treasure? Is he really first place in your life? You say, why is that important? Because God is a God of First, turn to your neighbor, look at him, say, God is a God of first. Let me show you what I mean by that. Because in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God refers to something known as the firstborn. In Exodus 13, verse 2, it says it this way, Dedicate to me, God says, all the firstborn sons of Israel and every firstborn male animal. Why? He said, because they are mine. They belong to me. It's an act of worship. God is saying, hey, I want you to... Give the first to me. Now here's, inter- here's what's interesting. 16 times in the Old Testament, God declares that the firstborn are his. They belong to him. In the Old Testament law, listen to this. The firstborn animals were either sacrificed or they were redeemed. Let me explain to you what that means. So God basically says, when the firstborn of your livestock is birthed, he said, I want you to bring that to me as a sacrifice, as an act of worship. Why? Because it is holy. God says it belongs to me. However, they were to bring the firstborn only if the firstborn was Perfect. If it was flawless, if it was, if it was a healthy firstborn. However, if the firstborn was not perfect, if it had flaws, if it had defects, if it was crippled, if it was spotted, if there was anything imperfect about that livestock, that lamb, whatever it was, then they had to redeem that which was not perfect with something else that was. And so here's what's interesting. Fast forward to the New Testament. John the Baptist is at the Jordan River. And you remember when he's baptizing the people, you remember he's converting both Jews, Gentiles, into the message that he was proclaiming. That there was one greater than he that was coming. There was a Messiah. And then suddenly, as he's there in the Jordan River, what did John the Baptist see? He sees Jesus, the Messiah, from a distance. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What was that a picture of? It was a picture of Jesus who was the spotless, pure 
perfect Lamb of God, God's firstborn. Who are we? We are imperfect. We were born flawed. We were born spiritually crippled. We were born into this world as sinners. Imperfect, right? What did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to redeem those of us that were imperfect, who were born in sin. How did he do it? He came as a sinless, spotless, perfect lamb of God who was sacrificed on a cross, who was buried, and who came back to life so we could be redeemed, so we could be purchased and bought back by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So that's exactly what God is getting at when he says, hey, this is my plan. I want you to bring the firstborn to me. I want you to to do that. Why? Because they belong to me. So in essence, Jesus was God's tithe for you and me. It's fascinating to think about it. And not only that, listen to this, God initiated God's sacrifice by giving his one and only son, the spotless lamb, for you and me in faith before we even had the opportunity to believe and to put our faith in him. God so loved the world that he gave. Romans 5, 8, God proved and God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us us. So that's the firstborn. But let's talk about another principle, and that's known as the first fruits. In Exodus chapter 29, verse 19, it says, bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord, your God. So what he's saying is, bring your first, bring your best to the house of the Lord, your God. So let me illustrate this to you, just to put it in a very simple, practical way. I have 10 $1 bills in my hand. So the question that I have for you is, out of these 10 $1 bills, how much is the tithe? It's $1. So this is the tithe. This is the firstborn, if you will. This is the sacrifice we bring unto the Lord. So this is the tithe. But then there's another principle we're talking about, and it's known as the first fruit. Now, what is the first fruit? Let's say I have two of these dollar bills here. Which is considered to be the first fruit? Well, let me, let me put it to you this, this way. When you think about these two $1 bills, which one is the first fruit out of these two? Let me tell you how you know. How you know which is the first fruit is by which one is either given first or spent first. So what is God saying? God is saying, out of the ten, give me one-tenth, and I want you to bring your first, I want you to bring your best, and God is saying, I want you to trust me for the rest. Why is all that important? Because like I said a few moments ago, God wants our heart. He wants to be first place in our lives. And notice where God directs the tithe. Where does he say? To bring it into my house, to bring it into the house of the Lord. That's God's plan. So that's the principle. Let's quickly talk about the practice. Because in Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30, it says it this way. 
A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to who? To the Lord. Why? It is holy to the Lord. So one of the things that I think is important for us, especially as followers of Christ, is to just to practice this principle of putting God first. But then also at the same time, do it in a very practical way. For example, this is a good practice. First of the very first of the year, January, maybe right there the first week of the year. In fact, we as a church, we do something called 21 days of prayer. And what we do is we set aside the first 21 days in January. We're also going to be doing it in August. We set aside the first 21 days of August, just before the school year kicks, gets up and running, and we enter into the fall season. And what do we do? We consecrate, we dedicate that to the Lord. Another thing that is an important practice is to maybe set aside the, the first day of the month or the first week of the month to what? To, to review, to reflect, to, to maybe make good on goals, on things that maybe you've been aspiring to accomplish. It's a good time to review, maybe to plan, to, to, to budget, or whatever those things might be. But it's important to set aside just at the very first part of the month and dedicate it unto the Lord. That's the reason why we do communion the first Sunday of every month. Because we just, right out of the gate, every month, the first Sunday of the month, we just want to remember, we want to reflect the greatest sacrifice that's ever been made. Another practical thing is to simply dedicate the first part of your week unto the Lord. It simply means that you need to have a Sabbath and you need to understand that Sunday is a day of not only rest, but it is, a, it, is a, it is a day where we actually call it a celebration. Listen, we can do more in six days with God than we can do in seven days without God. If you don't believe me, just ask the people of Chick-fil-A. They've got it figured out because there's no Chick-fil-A open on Sunday, right? But they've got it figured out. I would say they're doing pretty well because God's on their side. Amen. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm getting hungry now. What about the first part of your, of your day? Well, you just set aside maybe the first 15 minutes of just giving it into the Lord. Spending time with him. What about the first part of your income known as the tithe. You see, these are just the practices. These are just the simple ways that we can apply these principles into our lives. I've asked uh, for a little help. Bailey, why don't you bring my ladder out for just a moment? I have something I want to use as an opportunity to help teach you something that I have found to be very helpful and practical for a lot of people. And um, as I stated a few moments ago, you know, the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in our lives. But at the same time, Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. So what I have here is a ladder that basically represents where a lot of people are, especially in the church. And what I mean by that is that Every step in our faith journey requires what? It requires faith, right? 
It requires obedience. And for some, we're all at different rungs on the ladder. For some of us, we're here. In other words, we haven't taken that first step. For some of us, we're here. And in essence, we, we've never really thought about putting God first in this area of our lives when it comes to tithing or giving, especially with our finances. But there's always a first, right? There's always that step of faith. There's always that moment where we trust God for maybe the first time in an area that's a little uncomfortable. And those are the, the people who are what we consider to be the first-time givers. But then you also have people who give on occasion. You know, right? There's a need. There's an opportunity. There's a cause. You know, there's something, you know, that, that moves their heart. And they say, you know, I want to help with that. So those are people who are... Who, they don't tithe, but they give on occasion. And then you have people who are consistent, right? These are the people who consistently give. I mean, they're, they're, they're faithful and they're consistent in that way, but yet they still are not necessarily giving the full tithe. And then you have individuals that are referred to as the tithers. And the tithers are not only faithful and consistent, but they're giving the full tithe, the 10%. And then you have one more, and this has already given me the heebie-jeebies, so I'm not going to go any higher, but you get the point, right? <laughs> yeah, right. This will get a lot of views on our social media if I fall, live and in person. So with that said, yeah, Gabrielle's loving that. She said, go for it. That'd be awesome. We'll blow up. This is the abundant step. These are the individuals who give above and beyond. I like to call them legacy givers. These are the people who are sowing and investing, who are accelerating, helping to accelerate the church, the vision of the church, God's plans and purposes, and to advance the kingdom of God, both here and around the world, to share the good news of Jesus. And so the question is, what rung of the ladder are you on? And if you're not on any rung, my encouragement to you is to take the first step. It's to begin the process and watch what God will do. He says, let me show you. Let me prove it to you. Let me demonstrate to you how I will bless you. Thank you, Bailey. Man, I'm glad I made it off that thing in one piece. Couldn't sleep last night. Had nightmares falling off that ladder. But in all seriousness... God wants more than anything for you to experience his presence, his peace, his provision, his protection, and his power. Which leads me to the payoff. And the payoff says it this way in Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then, then and only then, there's a condition then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. In other words, God's abundant provision will provide for every need in our lives. Does that mean that we're going to live extravagant lifestyles and just have all the riches one could ever desire? No. And if you hear any preacher say that or even insinuate that, then listen... You need to tell them to take a hike because they don't get it. They're not preaching the word of God, the truth. 
The only promise that God has made is that I will take care of you and I will provide for every need in your life. He will. So God just wants us to be obedient. And in Luke 6, verse 38, it says it this way. Give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. We can't out give God. And if you think you can, he says, try me. I want to invite some friends to come join me real quick as we close out our time together today. And by the way, as they're coming, I just want to encourage you to, to do a couple of things. I just want to encourage you, number one, if you're, you, you haven't taken that first step to, to get on the rung of the ladder, can I just encourage you today? Take what we call the 90-day challenge here at Rethink Life. You can go on our website. Just go to our giving page. There's a 90-day challenge. And just pick a percentage. You would expect me to say, pick the full 10%. I'm asking you to pray about it. I'm just asking you to go to the Lord in light of everything going on and say, God, what adjustments can I make? Because I know we're all making adjustments. But ask the question. How can I begin this journey with you, God? I want my heart to be in your hands. And just ask the Lord and do what the Lord leads you to do. But just begin the journey. You can set it up online. You can bring it in person. However you choose to do it, it's between you and the Lord. My encouragement to you is be faithful in that way. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. And then I want to encourage you. Guys, we've already taken the offering, so don't get uptight or anything like that, all right? If, you hear, if you've forgotten everything I've said so far, my prayer is that you'll hear this one last thing before I introduce my friends and we pray. This is not about what God wants from you not about what I want from you or what we as a church wants from you. It's about what God wants for you. That's it. It's what he wants for you. And that is to live a blessed life. I want to introduce you to a couple of friends of mine, Steve and Melanie. Miller, y'all come on over here real quick and uh, y'all come stand in, in the light here. I love this couple, and you got me choked up now. <laughs> but I've been walking through a lot of things with them, and uh, I've got to see firsthand God move and God work and God demonstrate things that are beyond explanation. Yeah. And I've seen both of you grow in your walk. I've seen God stretch your faith seeing what God has done in your life and your marriage and how God is using you in so many ways. Let me ask you a question. What is giving, what does it mean to you? How important has it become in your life? I think giving to us is, it's more about following that, that those next steps, obeying, 
um, really just kind of fulfilling what God has for us. And it was something that was instilled in us when we were younger, but we weren't all in. Sure. And now we are, and honestly, anything that's happened is very much unexplainable because whatever we need when we have those times of thoughts of trouble, we have peace. Yeah. That's what it means to us. That's awesome. Melanie, once you speak into the fact of maybe some of the obstacles, some of the challenges that maybe kept you guys from maybe doing this in times in the past, what would you say is some of the biggest obstacles that people often encounter when it comes to this whole thought of giving in this way? I've really prayed about this a lot, and I, and I just want to say this one word, crushed. There's a spirit from COVID, from everything that family is, everything your whole life that you've been crushed and you're scared. And it's, you don't know what to do. You don't, you don't know how to take the next step. You're, you're afraid it's gonna be like it was, or I'm not gonna have anything. But I just wanna tell everybody in the church that I've been there many times. And I can tell you that God has always given me everything, everything. And I want to say something else if I can, because pastor doesn't talk about tithing much. Um, Uh-oh, she's got a whole notebook. I got pastor's <laughs> notebook from the whole year, y'all. I've only missed like three services since we came back from COVID, Steve and I. And that was because we were sick. But I went back, and it wasn't but probably January or February of last year. He does not talk about tithing a lot. But I found what, what you did say. And, and this morning we were sitting here and looking through my book and I said, you know, Steve, he said that we are grown up people who are giving to God. And that keeping what doesn't belong to us just prolongs what belongs to him anyway. And so that is the 100% truth. And we have just learned in the last year that you can have everything taken away from you, um, but God just gives it right back. And I'll, and I'll tell this funny story if I can. I told you last night. My husband, he loves to give now because he knows the promises and he's seen where we've been. Um, and where you go from nothing to having everything to being, I'll say, just completely debt-free through COVID, which is unbelievable. And it was because of the times that Steve and I just gave, and we didn't. We were scared. And I can even remember going to Pastor Michelle and saying, I'm scared. I don't know if I'm going to be able to give the tithe. And then God tripling my income the next week. That just doesn't happen. Um, but by his grace and mercy. And now we love to give so much that my husband, he does a check once a month and it comes out before everything. And so this last time we paid our tithe for the month last week. <laughs> and pastor, you know what he did? He, he gave, he was so excited, he wrote our check. And then at the end of the service, Audrey comes to find me, and Audrey is the one that processes all of our giving. She says, Melanie, what? We got your tithe, but then there's also a blank check. And I thought, well, that's weird. 
you know, Steve is so excited about giving the tithe. And I just remember looking at her pastor and saying this one thing. Audrey, it doesn't matter if God needs it, write it out for what the amount is. He'll just give it back to us. Wow. We should have that blank, blank check around here. <laughs> Man, I am so proud of this couple because of the growth that they have encountered in their lives. And I've watched, I've seen their faithfulness, and I've watched how God has just provided open doors of opportunity, close wrong doors that they didn't need to walk through. And, and he wants to do that for all of us. That's coming under the umbrella of God's provision, his peace, his protection, experiencing his presence, and living and demonstrating God's power and work in our lives. Amen. Would you join us in prayer today? You guys can return back to your seat. Father, we're so thankful for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for your provision in our lives. And Lord, thank you that you love the world so much that you gave your one and only son, your firstborn, your tithe, to redeem us. To buy us back because of our sin, our brokenness, our imperfections. Thank you for the greatest sacrifice that was ever made over 2,000 years ago through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus, Maybe that all-important step in your faith journey today to make him the Lord of your life. Can I invite you to pray this prayer in your heart? The prayer is not what saves you. It's what's behind the prayer. God looks at the sincerity of your heart. And if that's your need today, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, would you pray this in your heart? Say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner and I turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me and to change me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Father, we celebrate these today that made life's most important and greatest decision in their hearts. I pray as they come close to you, you would come close to them. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody. Let's celebrate with those who made life's greatest decision. It's awesome. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.